Why is it that every time we have a meeting, they're out there listening to something? Hi, everybody, and welcome once again to the IWMP podcast. Uh, my name is Matthew Porter. And I'm Ian Porter. I'm his dad. He's my son. And I have once again made him watch a movie. We have returned. We have returned to the Medfield verse. Yes, we have. Another yes. Medfield college movie. It's almost tempting to make turn these into just quick We Kept Watching episodes because the way the Medfield college movies kind of flow together as a series in some way. But each one has its own characteristics, I guess. I both want to agree with you, and also this movie literally starts with a version of the exact same opening, <laughs> so I'm not sure, and I don't know how to feel. That's what really bewildered us. And just to catch anybody up, if they haven't listened to our previous episodes about the Computer well, War Tennis Shoes... We watched the Computer War Tennis Shoes, which is actually the second in what would be the continuity, because the first is uh, the... Absent-minded professor. You're forgetting Son of Flubber, though, so it really would be the third. Oh, goodness. Medfield this is more cinematic universe movie. than I expected. Yes, and then you've got to see the spin-off TV shows. And, it, well, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. So, this is another Medfield College movie, and it's a follow-up to The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. So, it once again stars a young chipper Kurt Russell as college man Dexter Riley. Dexter Riley, the man with pure charisma stat. <laughs> and who has always a plot convenient amount of intelligence. Absolutely. He didn't he seemed like he really had to struggle for his grades in the computer wore tennis shoes until the computer, in fact, wore tennis shoes. And then in this one, his kind of uh science fair project is a Nobel Prize worthy breakthrough. Yeah, that's the thing, like if you're watching the movies standalone, this one is just a new character named Dexter Riley. Okay, he's a smart guy. That works. If you watch them in order, oh my goodness, that computer rubbed off on him. Oh my goodness, it, the, <laughs> some of the rewiring oh. stuck. It, he it might not didn't be, all go away. Yeah, he might not be as fast, but he's at very least better at knowledge retention and processing than he had been. It stuck. My goodness, this is... This works to some extent. And as you started pointing out, that extra intelligence didn't lead him to come up with a better plan for snooping on meetings of the uh, the heads of the college, which apparently, again, is, is what the kids do. Yeah. No, once again, it's still radio placed in the pot of flowers and I believe still a call and response out of the radio to the room at least once. Right. They're just eavesdropping by a barely concealed walkie-talkie, and this is a big, you know, nineteen late 1960s walkie-talkie hidden in the uh, the flower pot in the middle of the conference table, in the middle of the dean's office. And they're listening in on the budget discussions, as always. And once again, there's there seems to be some money trouble. It's not as severe money trouble as last time. The dean is still, though, hesitant to spend. And I was, I felt conflicted because at the end of last movie, I kind of liked the Dean because he had a point that a lot of this could have been avoided with infrastructure, as we pointed out. <laughs> but like, 
I like I, I wasn't sure if we're supposed to be against him again, but they definitely play him up as the comedic buffoon. Right. He's more the buffoon and less the uh the antagonist yeah. in this story. But yeah, overall, this is going to be another romp through Disney chipper sci-fi, and that's what that's what you need to come to come to see in these films. And they start out with actually a better lead into that sort of energy than they did last time because they actually have a like a chase, not a chase scene, but like a an action scene of having to to retrieve the walkie-talkie, which is at least something more than they had last time. They kind of maybe thought about what they had set up at the beginning of the um, uh, computer wore tennis shoes and realized, well, this could easily be discovered. What would they have to go through to keep it from being discovered? And that yeah gives them the first action set piece as they scramble to distract the dean and the dean's um, secretary long enough for them to swap the flowers so they can retrieve the walkie-talkie. And it's it's kind of a fun way to start the movie, especially for those who recognize the setup from the first movie. And this is made three years later. So this is now 72 compared to 96. There's oh. some changes to their film yeah. cinematography. The 69, not 96. I, did I say that now? Yeah, I did. I, I'm. Oh goodness! So they did make the what the was it ninety five when they made a uh, a remake of the computer war tennis shoes? It was. I think that's what I just misread. Oh <laughs> uh, goodness! But it's still like they're like there's enough of a change, especially in the actors. They look older. It's harder yeah. for them to play these students. Yeah, it took a a, a while for um for Dexter Riley to advance to that next grade in college. Apparently, yeah, apparently, but. At least his entire friend group seemed to stick around to some extent. Yes, they're still they're still a a fun group. They're still against the establishment. Ah, little a little less aggressively so. Uh, well, the, estab- the establishment's gotten a little nicer, it seems. <laughs> or at least better furnished. Yeah. And talking about how they changed the Dean Higgins character, I think they realized what they had in Joe Flynn, who's a great comic actor. Oh, he is excellent. That yes. they they. He gets to do more than just kind of grumble about kids and money. Mm-hmm. But last time, the big the big plot point was about, you know, the getting the computer. Now it's about the science fair and everyone's working on their projects. Right. And apparently this, this industrialist has this big science fair every year. And the college that presents the winning science fair student gets $50,000, which, of course, is going to make or break <gasps> the, yeah. uh, the Medfield College budget. But, and allow them to compete against the big super colleges who are overwhelming them. Yeah, because once again, they're, they're the plucky underdogs that are at risk of falling apart. Which, once again, you've got to wonder if they've had this many spectacular events happen at their school. How? Like, <laughs> put a little bit of that into a PR department. Come on. Yeah. You'd, you'd expect them to be okay, but that leads to more questions, which leads down a rabbit hole that I'll discuss later. But at least the bad guy from the first movie, uh, A.J. Arno, at least he went to jail at the end of the first movie. Oh, so yeah, they had, so they we're, had we're fine there. A nice, clean resolution there. He, They can move on to a different challenge this time. And we've got some interesting things because, oh, my goodness, I guess the first thing they invented for this science fair is personalities. They've got <laughs> enough to pass them around because the rest of the group have personalities for once. I was delighted. Wasn't that great? You. It, it was kind of there in the background. There was so much fun stuff. This weird, like, group house that the kids lived in. Uh, uh, 
with the siren connected to their telephone. And it, in the, it was so weird. And we got to see so little of it in the computer wore tennis shoes to see those characters have so much more of a role and it really being a, a big group of kids doing all this all together was so much more fun. I admit, I can't remember anyone's name except Dexter, but that's, but I could at very least believe them putting out like a baseball card set of names and specializations for this, this group and being able to learn that information because there is enough to distinguish them. There is, you know, the the promising to the establishment but slightly beleaguered one. There is at least one gearhead in the group. There's they've each got like a hint of a specialization somewhere in there, and they're all doing their things. Right. And the two main members of the the gang that we see the most of, there's Skylar, who's kind of the the comic friend of the group. Mm-hmm. And then there's Debbie. Yes. I don't know that she's really anybody's girlfriend, which is, I think, a step forward. She's just a character. Go Disney. Um, but uh, in some, to some extent, she's the, the voice of reason in some of these uh, <laughs> scenes. But uh, so Dexter, Skylar, and Debbie, they're kind of the main trio. And then there's this great crowd of, of characters around them with all their different specialties. Mm-hmm. And that, that feels good, especially in the later scenes where we get to see them act as a group. And they all have lines that don't just feel like they came out of the void. They have this interaction that, that implies more, and the ones we have watched have play off of each other, and that's perfect. But we, our, our setup is the, the science fair here, and they're each working on projects, which also helps give that effect. But Dexter is going a little bit beyond. Dean Higgins is really set on having one of his students win this science fair, so the school can get the $50,000. And his hopes are all set on the character played by a young Ed Begley Jr., who's doing something about the flight of bumblebees, and it's the classic thing about given the weight and drag and everything else, they shouldn't be able to fly, and yet they can. And that's fine until he, I think, gets stung and learns he was allergic to bees. Or <laughs> Yeah, there's something like in the background that's just like, he's almost dead. It's like, what? Yeah. So he's going to be fine, but there's no way his experiment is getting into the science fair. But meanwhile, what's Dexter been working on? Uh, He's taken the notes from a man who was put into an insane asylum years ago, like this famous philosopher scientist. Yeah, this crazy Russian scientist. About the concept of refracting light around an object using a, a film of a liquid material and therefore creating invisibility. And this is scoffed at and... I think it scoffs back at the Dean at one point by popping like a pipe and <laughs> blasting him in the face with unknown colored liquid. It's like, this is, this is intentionally set up as like the ramblings of a madman translated by a madman implemented by a madman <laughs> in the perfect way. It is extremely tubes and beakers, mad scientist in a, a chipper way. And yet Dexter, Knows his stuff enough that he is going for this. Yeah. And he succeeds. He succeeds thanks to a bolt of lightning. Oh, that's right. There's always something like that. You gotta always have a bolt of lightning. And once again, I start questioning how much of this entire narrative across these movies is going to be that nature wants to kill Dexter Riley, but can't. (laughs) It attempts to electrocute him with a computer in a rainstorm, and it fails to. 
the lightning attempts to attack his thing, but he's not there. And instead it actually activates all the devices and creates the invisibility solution. This is final destination. Okay. Or I am now coming up with the Dexter Riley, Percy Jackson crossover. (laughs) Dexter Riley is actually an unknown child of one of the Olympian gods who are trying to wake him up and let him know what his birthright is. So they keep trying to give him superpowers by shooting lightning at him. And it never quite takes. Hey, Texter, your actual dad is Hephaestus. Wake up. (laughs) What? There's something that he said there. But once again, he doesn't get a personal superpower in the way he did uh, in the computer wore tennis shoes. But his formula works. And he's got an invisibility spray. It successfully burns out most of his gear and creates one basins full of invisibility solution. One basin full. That is all we ever see created, and it's in a way that directly says it destroys the method of manufacture. So, are you thinking that the proper lab would be able to analyze this in sufficient detail to synthesize it? I think maybe. I think that if he keeps all his stuff in order, he might be able to find out how he did it. I think that producing it's going to be prohibitively expensive, and I think that this narrative is going to show a limited quantity created in a limited fashion and then completely ignore the fact that he only has so much just to play around with the special effects later. So they don't want to uh, have, you know, the Dr. Manhattan problem where the world is so completely changed by the fact that Dexter Riley's invisibility spray works. They, they intentionally limit it. I think this is right alongside Flubber in terms of the fact that in order to create one batch of Flubber, you need to blow up a garage. And in order to create one batch of invisibility solution, you need to harness lightning through expensive stuff and burn it all out. You can make it, but are you going to bother trying? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, in the 40s and 50s, the government built towns to see how they were destroyed by atom bombs. They would happily build a whole bunch of garages in order to make more (laughs) flubber. They would have happily built uh, a bunch of classrooms and subjected them to lightning uh, to make more invisibility spray. Good point. (laughs) He has successfully created invisibility spray and comes in the next day to find that it works. I think because he drops his glasses into it by accident. Right. And oh my goodness, it dissolved my glasses. Tap, no, tap. Didn't. no, they're all still there. All you can you can only see half of them. I, which, how does that work? Yeah, if the lights going around the thing. How does his glasses work? That right. That's what I wonder. If it's bending the light, how do the lenses refract? <laughs> and once he, of course, immediately jumps to human testing. Who cares about safety? Once he sprays himself down, and he's completely invisible. How can he see? <laughs> What is the light interacting with if it's bending around his retina? He doesn't open his mouth when he's sprayed down. Does that mean when he talks, you should just see the inside of his mouth? (laughs) That's horrifying. Now, that would be like some of the Pixar glitches we see in outtakes. (laughs) Absolutely. This, This is horrifying if you think too hard. Once again... Never think too hard about right. anything invented at Medfield, right. because it will hurt your brain. Just I, go along for the ride, please. I think that's in the college's crest in Latin. You translate it and says, don't think too hard. I like this. I'm, I'm going to have to draw that. This is great. <laughs> so you can imagine the kind of, of Disney 
live action early 70s movie hijinks this might lead to if Dexter Riley and his friends now have access to an invisibility spray. But if it, you, it does work as a spray. You can dip things into it, but then they find you put it into a flit gun, you know, a, a bug spray kind of thing, and you can spray anything invisible. Mm-hmm. So, but you, now you've got an invisibility potion, but other than some simple wacky hijinks, what are you going to do about it? There's no antagonist to deal with. Oh, wait. School needs money, and who guess who has money and is fresh out of prison? AJ Arno. He's back playing the character a little bit more cartoonishly, but excellently once again. My goodness. Cesar Romero is Cesar back. Romero knows how to play a villain. He knows how to play a man who is just confident he'll get away with it and just not able to. Like A plus for effort in, in villainy, but you're, you're not going to get a passing grade with the execution. And just as important to me as uh, Cesar Romero being back as A.J. Arno is the fact that uh, Richard Balkian is back as Cookie, who is his driver, his kind of right-hand man. We learn he's like his brother-in-law or his uncle-in-law or something. Yeah, his nephew, something along that line. Cookie has some of the best lines. He has some amazing lines. But they're back. They want to... uh, well, they want to contribute to the school, but it turns out that he's up to something. Of course, Dexter and his friends suspect A.J. Arno of wrongdoing or, or some evil plan. And, of course, they're right. He does have an evil plan. He's going to, like, demolish the school and turn it into a, a, a gambling resort with a dog track and casino and everything else. Yeah, which, which like, he's, like, pulling up old laws in terms of zoning that allows him to make a gambling establishment on school property. But it makes me wonder what in the world happened in the past that meant that this is a loophole written in with a specific note that it's allowed. <laughs> What's, what was going on here before that that needed to be questioned in a court of law and specified? But that aside, he's going to take advantage of this and turn it into like hyper-concentrated Vegas zone. It's probably some 19th century uh, law that was required in order to allow the uh, the mathematics department to teach probability. Somehow you twist that into allowing gambling. I guess so. It, it, it's a weird one, but it's one of those like, oh, look at this handily specific document in his filing cabinet and his <laughs> oddly detailed model of what he plans to do. Really, like, that's a lot of model work there. Very lovely model work. But Very, yeah. he's spent a lot of time building this thing a foam core before he's even gotten the ink down on paper. Yeah, so either, and he mentions his architects. So I'd say his architect is a potential breach of this plan that he's trying to keep such a secret. Or maybe the architects haven't gotten involved yet, and Arno and Cookie are just really good at building models. Or the model got completed and the architect knew, and now the architect is gone, so the architect can't <laughs> oh, say. Oh, that's the, the pyramid designer is somewhere in the bottom of the pyramid kind of thing. Exactly. Got it. We might have that. <laughs> so, and how do Dexter Riley and his friends learn about this, uh, these, these plans? Of course, they have an invisibility spray. It's invisible people hijinks. Although watching invisible people is not very, very great. So, of course... I, we must carry props around, and one of us needs to have not gotten invisibility stuff on our shoes. Right. They walk the, the the invisibility stuff washes off very easily with water. So you walk through a puddle, suddenly your sneakers are visible. 
And so much of this movie is just an excuse to use various green screen and other composite kind of um, uh, techniques as they were in the early 70s to to um, show that kind of sneakers walking around with no people. And, of course, a lot of wire work to have cameras and things floating around. And I'm amazed that in the first interaction where they run into each other at school... AJ Arnor has no response to seeing Dexter Riley. The kid he kidnapped threatened his threatened the kid's life, stuffed him in a trunk, and had like called the cops on him in broad daylight in the past. He doesn't flinch at seeing Dexter until the floating camera, at which point he's absolutely certain it's these kids and Dexter again and going after them. There's a like, well, like I, he doesn't recognize him by face, but he recognizes him by hijinks. Yeah, that's that's true. It's he's, he's behaving like Dexter Riley. But on the other hand, is this the only kid that A.J. Arno has had kidnapped and has threatened to kill and bury in a swamp? And that's a regular Thursday for A.J. Arno and company. It's not such a big deal. Oh, yeah, I remember that it was somewhere back there. Oh, goodness. Uh, that is a horrifying different <laughs> string of movies. And I don't know if this one ever gets quite as dark as the computer wore tennis shoes did towards the end there. It doesn't. It's able to maintain itself a little better. Yeah, that, I mean, but... there's a little gunplay, for lack of a better term, towards the end, but not the cold-blooded where we're going to hide the body sort of conversation. Oh, yeah. But now we've got we've got an antagonist with a time threat to the entire school. We've got a fun new excuse to use silly techniques visually we've got a cast of characters that is more vibrant than ever and what are we going to do then what's now, our next step now if um if medfield can enter and win the science fair then they'll have enough money to somehow like pay off the note that aj arno has and prevent arno from taking over the school and turning it into a, a gambling resort but because of their past performance and because of how small the school is, Medfield's not invited to the science fair this year. And the science fair, by the way, is run by this um, very rich guy played by Jim Bacchus, known from Gilligan's Island and as Mr. Magoo and, again, a terrific character actor. Excellent character actor. He does a good job here of playing this friendly, but I'm sorry I've got to do that to you, but you you know, know, we just can't have you this time. Business uh, is business. Uh, uh. So, but of course, how do you get into the... The man's good graces is play golf with him. And this is the segment where we will, in fact, follow the trend of the movie and go entirely into a very long and very prolonged middle of our show full of nothing but golf. Golf that goes on for way too long. Golf that is a little bit boring. Golf that does not take advantage of the full options of the media and is honestly really dragging. Yeah, there's a lot of golf in this My movie. goodness, this is quite a lot of I golf going on. I didn't remember there being this much golf in this movie. I remember this as being my favorite of the Kurt Russell Medfield movies, and I'll talk later about why, but I must have just blanked out on the fact that there was so much golf. I think the script blanked out, and there was therefore a lot of golf, because <laughs> my goodness, they go with the same, wow, he's bad at golf. I guess Invisible Me will have to make his golf shots good. Let's not explain how he makes his golf shots good, because it's not a pick up and move it, but it's like a suddenly you're arcing and bouncing off of trees. This is more radio controlled golf ball tricks, but it's of that kind of like, I have got invisibility so I can make things happen. So well, happen. I don't know. Well, you got Dexter Riley and Debbie sprays him and a branch that he picked up off the ground with the invisibility spray. So at first he's like kind of like 
playing field hockey with the golf ball with the uh, the stick and moving it around. But later on, he's like picking it up and throwing it, and heck, he's throwing it with remarkable accuracy. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how that quite works. They could kind of get away with it if they showed him also chewing a piece of gum. Therefore, you have gum on stick when <laughs> golf ball equals yeah, movement right. wand. And then it's just him like sticking it and running I, like across the field with it in the air would be more of something. But they don't give us that. So it's a little confusing. They and- do have a very nice scene where he walks through a sand trap knocks it, uh, picks it up, puts it into the hole, and then rakes his footprints out of the sand trap <laughs> to make sure no one can see the that which he left behind, which is an excellent bit, especially for the little sinking feet in the sand trick they do. But that entire bit went on way too long. It did. And apparently the way to get into the Jim Bacchus character's good graces, as you say, is to play golf with him. And to be a decent enough golfer to keep up with him. But somehow it's even better to, like, beat him so tremendously at golf. You're the best golfer who ever lived. Because that's essentially what Dexter does. He doesn't just turn this terrible golfer into a halfway decent golfer. He gives him, like, six or seven holes in one. This is a problem. Dexter, smart enough to set up a thing that is, you know, electrically activated invisibility generator does not understand the concept of just enough to make it believable. (laughs) Yeah. Moderation is not Dexter Riley's thing. Yeah. He is an all or nothing man. And this is the problem. I guess it's a, if you're the guy who brought the really good golfer to the country club, it's good on you. True. Kind of like association thing, but he goes too far to the point where he gets the Dean into a like professional golf tournament Right, and the Dean goes off to do this without Dexter with him. There's a really, really well done, way more dramatic than it has to be chase scene between Dexter in his dune buggy and an airplane, (laughs) which felt like the most not something you can do with aviation nowadays. And (laughs) I'm pretty sure you couldn't then, but still. Yeah. Extra can't now kind of aviation moment and a very, very like, like it's slow golf time and then it's action packed chase and then it's more slow golf time. So much golf. Oh my goodness. There is a cut of this movie we'll that I want to make that is just like, and then golf. And then it goes on from there. (laughs) (laughs) Black screen, white block text, and then golf and we can keep moving. Because it's a fun movie, but they do grind that into yeah. the floor. It's excellent special effects work. It is excellently done, and it is not CGI special effects. It is a yep. form of practical effect because of when it is, and that is something you don't get to see a lot of. So if you want a little showcase of it, great. So this this golf performance on the part of Dean Higgins, that does get the school into the uh, science fair. But meanwhile, A.J. Arno, who is at that country club, he was given back his membership oh, to the country right. club. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Apparently, people are very forgiving in wherever Medfield College is located. Yeah. This is like really oddly forgiven because, <laughs> forgiving because, my goodness, he was arrested with quite the list of criminal charges last yeah. time. So the fact that the country club got him back meant he must have enough money to throw around to very much offset the negative uh, implications that would have for the community. I guess so. 
But he does get wind of the invisibility formula. He knows that Dexter Riley has this. He watches Dexter Riley. Uh, he watches a towel float into the showers and then a fully clothed because he sprayed it <laughs> on his clothes. Like just jump into the shower, clothed, Dexter Riley, turn visible and walk out. In a very weird, fun scene. Yes, yes. That, that's another a great scene and also has some great reactions by Cesar Romero as Arno and also some great reactions to that from Cookie. Oh, yeah. That's one of the best scenes in the whole movie. But he learns of this and he is very quick on the planning. Because immediately it's like, invisibility. One, two, three, bank heist idea. He goes quick to that. Right. He goes right to bank heist, not to international arms trade or anything, which probably would be a little more lucrative than robbing the local savings and loan in uh, whatever town Medfield's in. Unless Medfield town, unless the Medfield area is very, very wealthy. Maybe I guess that's so, the thing. Yeah. If, if all this stuff has happened there, maybe this is like the richest area possible. <laughs> and the, the amounts of money we're thinking seem like a lot, but they're just smaller amounts that this college needs. It's not enough, but it's okay. I'm wondering if our factor of scale is off, if that's still his target. Huh? All of that reinvestment for the flubber factory that now has been uh, on the outskirts of town for the last 10 years has really boosted the economy. It might. Yeah. All There's- those. Garages they had to build and then destroy. Exactly. Got to recreate the scientific method the exact way the first experiment went. What if the secret, um, didn't the, uh, his housekeeper like bring, bring him a sandwich or something? No, no, she didn't because uh, he was on his way to his wedding when, uh, when his garage blew up. I was imagining what if the secret ingredient was like some random thing in the garage that they could never isolate. So they've never been able to recreate Flubber. It was the dog. The fact that the dog was there. That's, <laughs> that's what right. they didn't expect. Dog made it too, though. That's good. Uh, but yeah, it's like he, he immediately goes to bank heist and he is, he sends Cookie to like sneak in and take it away. I don't know how they, fig- I don't remember how they figure out what it's in because he saw him turn visible, but I don't remember how he knows that it's the sprayer and swaps it out. I don't remember. I'm, I'm, he was watching them for long enough uh, in the lab that um, I can see where he, the, he would figure that out. But I don't remember uh, exactly how that worked. But yeah. he does steal the formula and replace it with just some colored water. Which is wonderful because that's obviously what's in it for the prop itself. So right. being able to have them open it up and say, it's just colored water. It's like fourth walls <laughs> feeling that tap for a moment all right and i say he stole the formula he stole the liquid because nobody knows how to make it and nobody has the, the lightning i guess yeah there's always enough to do what they're doing right now though they never go back to the fact that it's a limited quantity item but eh. yep now uh they discover there's a problem though they're the kids Discover the problem because of the scene that I think is what I remember as making this my favorite of the Metfield College movies. Oh, this scene was the one that I felt was torturous, but good. (laughs) This is the scene where they are demonstrating their scientific discovery for the guy who's running the big science fair. And they do this by their plan is they've got a whole bunch of props available. And they're going to spray Skylar with the invisibility uh, solution. 
And then he's going to pick things up and manipulate things and kind of explain what's going on and how, how could this be happening? It's because he's invisible. Except they spray him down with just a little bit of colored water. He's still completely invisible. It's, but it's still he, completely visible. Yeah, and he yeah, still sorry, goes yeah. through the whole thing. Yeah, he's completely visible. Right. And he like picks a thing. And, you may not be able to see me, but I am holding this. It's like, <laughs> how is this basketball moving across the room? This is impossible. I don't know why, but the the person who thinks he's invisible, <laughs> explaining these amazing things that you're witnessing because I am invisible. When everybody is just staring at him, seeing him do this and say this. I don't know why, but that is just the funniest scene. I kind of want to cut the bit where they go where at the very beginning they explain that what's in the thing is invisibility formula before they spray him. Cut instead straight to them spraying him down. And it looks like two friends have just sprayed the third guy with the strongest hallucinogen <laughs> yes. he has ever experienced. We've managed to concentrate psilocybin to levels never before encountered. <laughs> it is ridiculous because it is brilliantly played and it has perfect shot reverse shot of the Ooh, he's holding it. and then it's just like you're kidding me look on the everyone on the audience's face and then back to him trying to respond to that and not sure what to do and keep going yeah i just remember from the the, the only other time i've seen this movie you know, back in the 70s on television it, this was a tv movie for you again for me, it was, yeah. I think it was released in theaters, but I only saw it when it came on uh, on TV years later. And I just remember that being just so weird and funny. It is an excellent scene. And it kind of plays off of the... It, it plays off of how smart they are because they immediately like track down who has seen this and who was here. And they go through a full like in mystery investigation pretty effectively for a moment. Yeah, it's kind of a little mini Scooby gang moment where they're figuring out, oh, he wasn't really a janitor, the person we saw watching us, and and figuring out, oh, it was one of Arno's guys. And then they immediately track that down, figure out what they're going for, and try to warn the bank and the police. Yep. They, they tr- my they- goodness, the anti-establishment kids from last time <laughs> just tried to talk with the populace and the public and do the right thing there but it just proves the generation gap and how the establishment just won't listen to young people even when they're right ah (laughs) so they have to take it upon themselves to try to stop the bank robbery and that doesn't go so well no because arno and cookie get away with the money they start to they get in their car they're invisible and they're driving off because they weren't listened to and there's a problem with a hose because they were going to spray them down with water as they left the bank, and they don't get ready in time, so instead they spray all the bank people. And Arno and Cookie get away, and now it is a long chase segment. This is almost as long as the golf stuff, if not longer. But it's a chase involving uh, an invisible car. They eventually spray down the whole car with uh, mm. invisibility stuff. They, they have some fun with the, the car with no driver skip before yeah they use that gag a few times but then it's they spray down the car and so it's the invisible car being chased by the dune buggy the volkswagen beetle and the pickup truck converted roadster i think they don't have a paint truck this time but they've got everything else and so it's them and the police trying to chase down and stop an invisible car because after like the first amounts of property damage and noted theft with two knocked out guards happen, the police are like, okay with them. And they're a little 
laughing at the invisible car until things start flying off of nowhere and vehicles are smashed into each other. It's okay, yes, on the radio, invisible car, you heard what I said, keep going. So you can imagine kind of how that plays out. Lots of little set pieces within set pieces. It's it's nothing earth-shattering, but it's all kind of fun. Mm -hmm. There's no one moment I can cite in it. Yeah. Uh, Maybe the scene where they finally trap them and then it's how do you hide from the invisible guy with the gun? Right. Which is very, very, that's like one of the most like dangerous moments in the entire thing, I think. Which is the like, what are you doing? Get down. He's got a gun. I don't see anything. Bang. Okay, I'm down, says the cop. It's it's fun. It's got some stuff there. But that's like the one break in the chase scene, really. And I, they finally, like, he, like, makes a loop in one direction, then turns around and goes back the other, which is how some of the chase happens. But they wind up, like, guiding him with a makeshift barricade of cars over through a bunch of lawns into a pool. Right. Which, of course, washes away the invisibility solution. Excellent scene of the pool giant splash. Wait, wait, car. Wait, wait. Two guys coming up. <laughs> Wait, all of the money. <laughs> Very excellent, like three well stage timed. reveal there. But now we've got we've got our invisibility stuff back, and once again, like priorities are not the order you'd expect. I mean, they're letting the police arrest the guy, but nothing about the party they just wrecked. Nothing about all the money in the pool, which we watch people start just grabbing handfuls of. <laughs> nothing about the car or the property damage that's happened. It's everyone pile back into your cars. We've got to go to the ceremony for the science fair project right. and show that it works. And nothing about the fact that this car was invisible three minutes ago. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, no, we've got it again. Run, guys. Okay. At least at least they do have the same priorities as the dean. They just go about it very different methods. They're always trying to save the school, just like the dean is. It's just two very different tactics. And that's one of the things that I can like about the, these movies is that the dean and the kids are at loggerheads, but they all have the the best interests of the school at heart. The dean just has a an outdated and in some ways more naive than the kids um, idea of that, because he keeps trusting people like A.J. Arno. Exactly. But we get to there, and this, honestly, the ending is a very fun bit, because they they try to use it, and it doesn't work again. They're bewildered. But then they realize it got diluted in the pool, and it's slow acting now. <laughs> and just getting to see the Dean, because everyone else has gotten to do their invisibility skits. But seeing the Dean who got sprayed down doing the invisibility skit and getting to play the I don't know it's happening to me is very fun. And they have fun with their visuals again because he's only half invisible. <laughs> and again, Joe Flynn is just so much fun in these kind of goofy roles. It's it's just the top of him. I wonder if there's any inspiration for Onward out of this. <laughs> You're right. Just a pair of legs walking around. It's very similar for just a moment, but it's well done. Mm-hmm. Because he, get, he gets to walk around and wonder why everyone's acting all weird and then, of course, find out himself in the mirror and pass out. Which he can see, apparently, some way. We still don't know how still that works. Uh, <laughs> my, brain, my brain. But yeah, excellent bit, excellent scene there. And this nice little wrap it up in a bow again. Once again, Arno's been arrested. Once again, we still have enough of this stuff to 
say hooray, we we solved the the challenge, and the school is saved once again, but with a different style this time. And I like that. I want to know something about what court um, AJ Arno was tried in. I keep imagining there being some kind of Disney court where Disney live action movie villains are uh, are tried is like and and maybe it's just Disney overall and you know Goofy is the presiding judge. It would explain why he gets out of jail so easily. <laughs> if Donald's the judge, maybe no one understands what the verdicts are. <laughs> well, maybe he's the prosecutor and that's the problem. Uh, that would make sense. You know, he's trying to put this guy on uh, uh um on on charges for grand larceny and everybody thinks it's uh, some misdemeanor. So he's out a, f- a month later. Oh goodness. That 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 kind of works. But it kind of wraps up where we are in the movie, and I got more to say, but I'm not sure if we're we're heading into final territory here. Or not. I think so. Is uh, is are your your remaining comments things that we would talk about in our wrap up? Absolutely. Then I guess it is time. Uh, this is a movie, so the first question is screen or no screen? I'd say screen. I mean, it's got an excellent little space in the middle for you to get go get go get popcorn if you don't like golf. <laughs> but it's a very fun movie if you liked the other one. It's more. Yay. And it's in some ways better. Uh, those three years gave them a little bit to refine their stuff, gave the actors a little bit more time to not seem as awkward. But if it, it's once again, if you liked the computer war tennis shoes, this is great. Go for it. In some ways, you can appreciate this movie more if you've seen the computer war tennis shoes, because there are enough callbacks and references and just knowing who AJ Arno is. But you're right. There are ways in which it is a better movie. Just in terms of the storytelling being you know, a little more sophisticated, the their handling of the set pieces a little better. The one thing I'm bewildered with, I don't think this is on Disney Plus right now. It's not. Yeah, I don't the, know what's going the on. First with the first and the third of the uh, of the Dexter Riley trilogy are on there, but not this one. I don't know why, but yeah, that is an, an omission on. Uh, although they do have DVDs of it on the Disney Movie Club, I think. Yes. And that was a delightful uh, a gift that I received, thanks to to you and Mrs. Darling Wife, is the uh, the collection of DVDs with with all of the the Dexter Riley movies and another Kurt Russell Disney movie that I don't think I've ever seen that we'll have to watch at some point. But it's not a Dexter Riley. Ah, it's part of the Disney Kurt Russell collection, I guess. The the pre um, Snake Plissken days. Well, there's there's times when you know the Snake Plissken like characters would really love to have an invisibility <laughs> thing in a sprayer gun, right? So, yeah, I would agree. Screen this. It's fun. It's if uh, you, you know what you're getting. And if, if you like this kind of thing, by all means, uh, give it a look. Mm-hmm. And that brings us again to revive, reboot or rest in peace. I'm saying revive again. I want more in the Medfield <laughs> story, especially because if I thought the computer wore tennis shoes did something because that gave you like odd human modification stuff and flubber gave you strange physics breaking objects this gives you another object this is not just an event in the history this is another MacGuffin stored in the vault of strange science things created at medfield that's like underneath the school like you you break apart the gymnasium floor and there's a there's a giant cement steel tumbler thing that you open up and it's this vault full of these inventions that you then use of course to save the school i want a series i want a revival of this i i like that idea i'm I'm not really interested in a reboot 
you don't need to retell this story over again. But yeah, I would love to see a um uh a revival of this. I think we talked in uh the computer war tennis shoes about a revival that involves Professor Dexter Riley, who's now teaching at Metfield College, and or Dean Dexter Riley or Dean Schuyler, maybe. <laughs> Dean Schuyler and Professor Riley would be an excellent combo. Yes. Although I, I think I think it would have to be the late Professor uh Riley. Yeah. And then Dean Schuyler, who remembers him and is the one who passes on to the newest crowd the thing. I, I'm like writing this story in my head yeah. as we go. Also, I just kind of want them to do more because if they bring all these together and acknowledge the continuity, you get the wonderfully horrifyingly dangerous object of tiny particles of flubber coated in invisibility syrup. <laughs> and you want to see some instant Disney shenanigans. Oh wow. It's 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 breaking the laws of physics and you don't even know what's causing it. That sounds very dangerous too. Oh, absolutely. My Throw one particle of it in a room. It will bounce across every surface in the room eventually, and you will never know where it is. It's the perfect trip. And it trip will keep picking up speed. <laughs> exactly. You just turn any room into a kill zone instantly. It is horrifying, because if you think <laughs> about it too much, you're gone. But you put these together, and it's multiplicative. I am, in, I am bewildered and horrified and excited. I think what we're imagining here is like Jordan Peele's now you see him, now you don't. You oh, good. <laughs> we kind of are. There, wow. is, there is a point at which we're, we're running into the, is this its own universe? Or is this the, like, is this the TV show that we need on Disney Plus for in the Marvel Cinematic? Oh, maybe. It is, like, is this, like, a, a place that S.H.I.E.L.D. has on their list of, like, known hotspots <laughs> that they've got to watch out for at this point they do a lot of their recruiting from medfield college oh, yeah. yes i want to see the medfield college chronicles i can go with this yep so yeah i would like to see a revival of this as well mm -hmm. there's so much you could do with it oh boy so there we have it we've talked about another in the uh the the series of medfield college movies i think that only leaves us with one more though uh, unless we go back and watch son of flubber which we, oh, we, we, we might, yeah, we might, we might come back to this, but, uh, either way, in a couple of weeks, we will be back with tales of some other bit of media from the 20th century. Uh, and thank you for downloading this one. We, uh, look forward to sharing more with you, but in the meantime, Ian, where can people find you? I can be found on Twitter as item crafting on YouTube as item crafting and on Twitch as item crafting live. And you can find me online at MatthewFPorter.com. You can find me on Twitter at by Matthew Porter. And you can find the podcast online at www.immproject.com. And there you'll find all of our previous episodes to download. You'll find links to our contact page, our Discord, our Patreon. Thank you very much for supporting, if you can, our shop, if you like to buy t shirts and stuff. And uh, you'll also find the podcast on Twitter at IMMPCast. We look forward to being back. We thank you for all of your support. We would love to hear from you about what's your favorite Medfield College movie or your favorite bit from a Medfield College movie or your favorite amusingly deadly scientific investigation. Exactly. Your, your weaponization methods for invisible <laughs> flubber. So again, thanks, and we'll be back. And in the meantime, go find something new to watch. That was even duller than usual. Yep, but you got to listen. You never know what might come up.